Hello and welcome to Science Unscripted. It's Connor here. And Gabe. Gabe, you've got kids, I've got kids. We all got kids. Are they good eaters? Do they eat healthily? One of them. One of, one of three. 33% good eaters. <laughs> yeah. What does that mean? Ava's a good eater. She's, she's, she eats her vegetables, not with, with zest, but, but she eats them. Mm-hmm. Lynn just avoids them, and Heidi, I don't even ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is, this is almost a cliche. It's the okay. most, I mean, n- not you, not what you've said, but oh. the cliche being that it's difficult to get children to eat their vegetables. That's, you've, I think this has been said for 15,000 generations. So long as we've known that, that vegetables, and I'll, 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 I'm reading some text put out by Harvard University, uh, that vegetables or a diet rich in them, uh, can lower blood pressure, reduce the risk of heart disease and stroke, prevent some types of cancer, lower risk of eye and digestive problems, and have a positive effect upon blood sugar. It can also help keep your appetite in check. Hmm. It's kind of one of the odd things. Remember, recall reading about apples, that eating an apple on an empty stomach can actually make you consume, consume fewer calories down the line. Well, then why don't we eat more vegetables for breakfast? Oh, that's a good question. You know, all, back, we, all well, we eat is sugar. No, remember you and I had that interview a while back on how we eat the same thing for breakfast because we don't want too many new stimuli when huh. we've first woken up. So yeah, this what we're talking about today is how to get, in this case, specifically children uh, to eat more vegetables. But I do think it also applies to adults, to everyone in general. Well, and I'm all ears. Let's, yeah, let's get into this. For Ooh. more on that research, yeah. we're going to go to a woman named Yuta and ask how... They did it. Science Unscripted. Okay, my name is Jutta Mata. I'm a professor of health psychology at the University of Mannheim in Germany, and I'm also a researcher at the Max Planck Institute for Human Development in Berlin. And I did a study on um, family meals and eating vegetables during family meals. So Jutta, what, what was the primary conclusion of your research in a sentence? Uh, if, if you do what then kids will eat more vegetables. If the family sits together at the meal table about 50% longer, which is 10 minutes in our study on average, then the child eats more than a portion fruits and vegetables more during this time, but it does not eat more bread or cheese or other things to put on. So the average family meal in in your experiment, Mm -hmm. and we'll get to the experiment in just Mm -hmm. a second, was something like 20 minutes, ten, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. and and then if if you add what is it if you add another 10 minutes on top of mm-hmm. that so we add like because um, i'll make this quick but basically families are so different from each other that we even changed our design so instead of comparing families in a longer and a shorter condition we invited every family twice because we realized we couldn't compare families with each other so we compared families with themselves because they came twice, and then tested them once during their normal duration, which on average for most family was 20 minutes, but it, of course there's a range. And in the longer duration, they had 50% more time, which on average was 10 minutes. So that brings this family meal to 30 minutes now. Mm-hmm. And, and so one, if they sit there for 30 mm-hmm. minutes, then the children kind of automatically start going for the, the, the vegetables mm-hmm. and the fruits, and they don't go for the, let's say, the, the, the less healthy mm-hmm. food items on the table? Yeah, they didn't go for the bread. Like, they didn't eat significantly more bread, cheese, sausages. And we even, like, after the 30 minutes were over, we, we served dessert. 
For the parents, we find that they eat even less dessert. For the children, we find a tendency, but this is not significant. So we could say they eat comparably uh, dessert. Did the parents or, or the kids know what was being tested? Did they, did they know that this was about fruits and vegetables? They knew that we were interested in family meals um, and that we tried to understand family meals better. So wh why did the kids go for the fruits and vegetables? Mm -hmm. what, what could explain mm -hmm. this? It's a very good question. Two things are interesting. One is, like you can think about that uh, the behavior is the result of an opportunity. So what the family meals we provided give is the opportunity to do so. You have time, you have fruits and vegetables on the table. And the third thing that we think might have helped and might have made it differently from bread is that we had cut the fruits and vegetables in bite-sized pieces all about the same weight. So they were probably easier to eat than the bread. The children in your study were between the ages of 6 and 12, mm -hmm. and anyone who's been around kids that age knows it's difficult to keep them at a table, at any table, for mm -hmm. any period of time. So how, if you had the same family twice, mm -hmm. and the first meal's 20 minutes, second meal's, on average, 30 minutes, how did you force that extra 10 minutes to happen? We didn't have to force anyone. On the contrary, this was such a good experience for families. They always ask, like, what other studies do you have? What can we do? Like, this was never an issue. But, but then why, why did they stay longer than that, that second visit? Ah, how we did with this, yeah, okay. We, we worked a lot on this because it's a really important, um, this is a really important aspect. Um, we did it, so you imagine they, would, they knew they would come to the lab and they knew they would come twice. And let's say they would come around six. And then we would say, hey, here's, here's the, the dinner room, come in. And we would always tell them when we come back with dessert. So in the, let's say, you're an average family, you normally eat 20 minutes, they come at 6.10, we would say, hey, we'll bring dessert at 6.30. So we would never say we come in 20 minutes. We would say the time. And because across the two conditions, they didn't come at exactly the same minute. They also didn't start at exactly the same minute. So it was not, they knew how much time they had, but it was not as noticeable that they had more time. In fact, we asked every single family what they thought the focus of our study was afterwards. And none of the families said they thought it was duration. Were you watching this experiment live, like from behind a, a glass window, or, or was this just recorded on video? It was recorded on video, but we could see the, like we could see the video um, being like on a screen next door. And this is important because um, if, things, if they would eat up something, like for example, they, had, they ate all the fruits and vegetables or all the bread, we would bring new fruits and vegetables or new bread. So the conclusion here seems pretty clear. That's what I like about your study. If you want children between the ages of 6 and 12 to eat more vegetables and fruit, sit at the table longer with them. And mm -hmm. that gets back to the stickier, stickier question. How... How do parents out there, how do our listeners out there make that happen? We know from other studies that a positive mealtime atmosphere, for example, is helpful for more fruits and vegetable intake. So one idea could be to have a positive mealtime atmosphere. Uh, another thing that we find is that if parents um, are role models, uh, so that means they eat their fruits and veggies as well. This is also, also helpful for children. So you could think about not like making a nice atmosphere, which could be like asking your children, hey, what would you need to, to, to enjoy sitting with us longer? And then make this happen. And this could be toys, music. This could be, um, you could also like 
I don't know, agree on a rule or something that you all um, negotiate about. And um, the other point that I find is really important is to think it's very unlikely that you say, hey, now we have like longer family meals and you will have it every single time all the time. This hardly ever happens for any behavior change, right? So it's really about, it's a marathon. Try it, try different things and see what works. And if it doesn't work one day, that's not the end of this experiment. Just go on, you know, like you would with everything else that you try to change. What did, what did it feel like when you were watching the footage of these families eat and then the, the kids went for the vegetables or the fruit? Was it like, yeah! <laughs> were you really excited or were you surprised by the results? I, I was really excited by the results because um, it's a really strict test and we've only seen this in observational data. And I was like, I want to know whether this is real. And for me, I was really, I mean, of course, I'm a scientist. I was like, I really was open to the answer because it's like, I want to find out. And to me, it was just as likely that this wasn't real if we do it experimentally, that it might have been explained by something else. So when we could really see that the experiment showed this and this is a real effect, that I found was really exciting. We have had a couple of board game nights with friends recently, mm -hmm. and the amount of chips and pretzels and <laughs> salty yeah. things Peanuts. That, that get devoured over the course of the hours of board game, it's, it's incredible. It, it, calorically, it's outrageous. <laughs> they, just, they just vanish somehow by the yeah. end of the night. And I guess my question is, is it possible, based on what you've seen, that the... If you have bite-sized anything mm -hmm. on the table mm -hmm. in front of you for mm -hmm. a period of time, a long yeah. period of time, yeah. it's going down the hatch. It's yes. going to get eaten. Yeah. So actually, I have two daughters as well. What I've always done, and sometimes I say they hate that I'm a health psychologist, but sometimes I love it. So um, in the times when they love it, they ask me to cut them fruits and vegetables. And for example, whenever, like when they read or when they play or like they ask me to have like a plate like this, and this is so common to them, it's like really a treat. So sometimes after dinner, they're like, would you cut up such a plate? And I have a good friend who's a professor in the US and he gives us as an example of children in Europe, how they eat. And he says that um, in, his, in his students, this is really fascinating because apparently it's very different culturally. But I know a lot of parents who feel like their second job is cutting up vegetables and fruit. From first-hand experience, Jutta, what kind of vegetables work best? Ha. What, what kind yeah. of bite-size, mm -hmm. perfectly cut-up vegetables yeah. and fruits should I cut up for my kids <laughs> next time? This is a great question. So what we did, like this is a really a super cumbersome experiment. So before we got the people in the lab, we sent them like, a many page long interview and we asked for example of like I can't remember but like somewhere between 20 and 40 different uh, vegetables and fruits how much the child liked each one of them because we did not serve every child cucumber because you don't know whether if they eat it because it's longer or because they like it and other children don't like it right so what we did we served every child three different uh, vegetables and they had to like them at least moderately but we would always try to get the three top vegetables and the three top fruits and their preferred cheese and sausages so that we know they eat it because of the duration and not because some kids like this and some don't. So there are no general tips here? It, it has to be specific to the tastes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Of, of the subject? Yeah, I think so. Two things. So one, if you really want your child to eat it, well, serve the child something that he or she likes. But then you would say, but she doesn't like as much as she could and it's very monotonous, right? People always say no pressure, which I find is a bit unrealistic because sometimes it doesn't work without pressure, but this is the official um, 
recommendation and to really learn tastes. Some people do flavored, uh, flavored paired tasting. So you do like some applesauce next to it so you can learn a new flavor with a flavor that you like. But it's really like, like learning how to write. It's also learning how to eat, actually. What would you like to test next if you can bring more families in or groups of people in or individuals in uh, to figure out something new about mm -hmm. human beings and their interactions with food? <laughs> well, we could talk about this for hours. But Restrict <laughs> like yourself, this, you uh, Yes. <laughs> no, but so in this specific regard, one thing we've been thinking about is to actually really explicitly test the bite-sized pieces because we really think this could make a very easy, um, this could be one of the major reasons or a really important reason. And this would have very easy um, implications, for example, how you serve uh, not only children and families, but also in schools and other occasions. And that was Professor Yuta Mata, a health psychologist talking to us from the University of Mannheim there. And uh, if you're interested in reading this study, it's very rare that after pouring through pages of a, of a PDF that I would recommend to anyone out there to, to do the same thing. That's my job, not yours. This mm. one's a short, fun read. It's called Effect of Longer Family Meals on Children's Fruit and Vegetable Intake. <laughs> uh, one of the lines that stuck with me, in, with me in there was, it was supposed to be kids age 6 to 10, and then for some reason, somehow, accidentally, an 11-year-old got in there. So then they had to change it. Then they had to change it. And they're like, 11. they're like, this in no way should you know, affect the study in any way. But an 11-year-old did get in there. So now it's six to 11-year-olds. Um, yeah, fun read. Interesting topic. I have way too much to say on it. I'll stick with two things. One, if you are ever in German households with children, it, I completely agree with what Yuta said at one point. Uh, it, 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 like a standard thing that happens if a bunch of kids are playing is one of the parents, and I've done this plenty of times, cuts up an enormous quantity of vegetables. Green bell peppers, red bell peppers, carrots, those little uh, Roma tomatoes that you slice into pieces so no, you know, no kid's going to choke on them. Mm. Um, and you end up with this gigantic <laughs> plate full of veggies and you're thinking to yourself, I've cut way too much and we're going to have you know, extra for tomorrow. And they, they finish it off. They devour they, it. And any, you, said, you mentioned game night in there at one point. Whenever we play a game, a board game or whatever, whatever Adrienne, my wife, cuts up this glass plate of fruit and they finish it. it the, it's like the, as big as the sun. <laughs> and, they, and we finish it off, and I, I, I always want more. Yeah, it, it, it. This is. I think Yuta Mata is onto something here. This works. <laughs> Bite-sized anything in front of people for long enough, it will get eaten. The second point. Uh, this reminded me of an of an Economist article I read more than a decade ago, and what stuck with me from that Economist article was the metric they were trying to quantify was quality of life. Which country around the world has the highest quality of life? How, how, do, you, how do you find a number or what, what, what are you measuring there? To say, I, to I say, don't know. So what I liked was the conclusion that they came to. What they measured was time spent sitting and eating a meal every sing, yeah, at the dinner table every single day. Whichever country has the people that do that the longest, that must be high quality of life. In that particular case, it was Greece. 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 Greek people spend a long time sitting down and eating. And for The Economist, that was enough to say that they have possibly, you know, the highest quality of life yeah. in the world. It stuck with me because I think there is something to that. The, you know, sitting down, spending time with each other, shoving things into your face, swallowing them. Um, it means something somehow. Yeah. We did a better, I, when I was a kid, 
we had we had we did that. We sat at the dinner table every single day for probably at least an hour. And I'm not sure that I do that as well with my I'm, family now. I'm not very good at it. If the kids want to run off, I let them go, go have fun. Go, I let them go, go have fun. Yeah, because there's also this I'm too like weak as a father. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think of it as an almost Prussian attitude. You're going to sit at the table until everyone is done. I, I don't like I don't like that either. Uh, but some some sort of compromise where you can, as she as you just said, make it more fun, make it more enjoyable to be there somehow. I don't know if that means playing mu- uh, you know turning music on or shooting confetti. And for God's sakes, cut up some vegetables and fruit. Cut them up. That's a big tip there. Yeah. Make sure to cut them up. Cut them up into bite-sized pieces. If you have any tips for us on how to get our families to sit at the dinner table longer for more high-quality living, we will take them. SU at DW.com. Science Unscripted.